0: Welcome to
1: the Front Porch Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ.
2: Welcome to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis.
1: And I'm Pastor Margaret Michael.
2: And uh, thank you for tuning in to Front Porch Talks today. And today we're joined again by Pastor Terry Wyant-Vargo. Pastor Terry, how are you today?
0: I'm absolutely wonderful. Thank you, Grayson.
2: Pastor Terry uh, was on last Sunday with us and started telling us about her testimony. And there's so many good things happening in her life and so many good things that she had to share that we couldn't just limit it to a half an hour. So we have her back today for part two. And uh, I would invite you, if you didn't have a chance to hear Pastor Terry's, the first part of her testimony, to uh, after this broadcast today, sometime to visit our website, frontporchtalks.org, and you can find it there May 24th. Pastor Terry, maybe just in a couple minutes, just uh, summarize a little bit with people that might not have heard first part of your testimony last week, just summarize for them a little bit about what we talked about last week and what you shared with us.
0: Thank you, Grayson, for that opportunity. A quick recap from last week's interview. I moved to Tampa, Florida at the age of 24 for fun in the sun, and uh, that would have been May of 1987. Uh, I encountered Jesus Christ in Tampa, Florida. I had some uh, crisis that occurred. A dear friend of mine uh, died from 93% burns Yes on her body, and that's what really uh, got my attention. It got me going to church. I went to the hospital to see her, to visit with her uh, on the day that it occurred, on my 25th birthday, and uh, started to pray for her because I knew to pray, but was not walking with Jesus. And my boss was a Christian, and he was also my friend's boss. So when I left the hospital room that day, uh, he was standing outside the hospital room and said he would pray for me. I had just uh, met the pastor of his church the month before at a Christmas event. They were together and they both told me they would pray for me. I uh, had some four-letter words, blanky blanks. uh, They didn't need to pray for me. And really what kind of God would allow something like this to happen to someone that really had not done anything. And what happened to Diane was that her stepfather had uh, been making passes at her that whole summer. And she told her mother and her mother finally believed her and talked to the stepfather. And he went out into the garage and got a can of gasoline and threw it up against. Against Diane and struck a match to her, and she ran outside on fire and she burned 93% of her body. The neighbors are the ones that rolled her in the grass, called 911, and she was taken to Tampa General. On March 31st, 1988, she died, and I had started going to church and felt like every day that Diane lived, God was answering my prayers and really believed that she was going to live, everything was going to be okay. And when she died, I still continued to go to church. I was really having a hard time. I was struggling, and I was having uh, problems with alcohol, with drugs, and uh, I was a smoker, and it was just something that uh, I couldn't bounce. I had started at a young age of about 13 and uh, dabbled with it, and when my dad died at 19 years old, I really went off the deep end and couldn't regroup. That became a way of life for me. So, I went to that church, and on Sunday mornings, they just uh, dearly loved me. They welcomed me. And I was one that uh, enjoyed dancing. So uh, the bars in Tampa stay open to three o'clock in the morning and then you can go to a bottle club and then at six o'clock in the morning, you can still have friends houses to go to. So I would do that and then go to that church after I had been out all night on a Saturday night. And they would just say, it's so good to see you. We've been praying for you. And I just couldn't get it in my head. Why in the world those people were praying for me, why it was so good to see me, but it sure was good to feel welcome because uh, my family was a thousand miles away. They became my family. Mm. So I was 25 years old going to church, living on the fence, okay, because through the week I liked to party, but I knew I needed to go to church. That was a good thing to be doing. And you make the same kind of friends when you're in that lifestyle. Can't blame any of my friends for the choices that I made, but I was making the same kinds of choices. So I ended up with my 50 UI, and on a Saturday night I was sitting in the Brandon Jail in Florida with a 0.25 alcohol level, which is considered legally dead. And I was under observation to make sure I wasn't gonna die on them. So I couldn't call for an attorney to bail me out. I couldn't call for any friends to come get me. I got to sit it out the whole night. And the next morning, I should have been in the pulpit singing a solo at church. So needless to say, I felt pretty guilty when I got home about how I had messed up again. And uh, again, now without a driver's license, in a town, a city that I had no family to get me around or really help. I was uh, desperate of trying to figure out what to do in my life, which way to turn. I had to call my boss the next day. And the next day, uh, you know, I'm working at a new place. When I went to Florida, my job was with automatic data processing. And then that Monday I was working uh, at GTE Federal Credit Union. I called the vice president, Tom, and he was a Christian. And uh, he said, Terry, you know, it's not anything that can keep you from God's love. And I was so depressed that it was just uh clear to me that I didn't want to live any longer because it had been so many times I had tried to not drink alcohol so many times and I just couldn't do it. And Tom heard that in my voice. So he said, I'm going to have my sweet Pat call you and we're going to check on you today because I'm certain that they thought I was going to end my life. And, um, I think if they had not kept calling me that day, that probably would have happened because I was that low of not wanting to continue to live. I got through that day. Next day, I had to find a ride to work, and Tom Welsh came in that morning to my office. And at this time, I'm a manager at the GTE Federal Credit Union, and I had 16 employees, and I'm going to have to face the music to tell folks that, you know, what had happened. And uh, Tom says, don't let people influence your decisions that you've made. And uh, he kept telling me that it was nothing that could keep me from God's love, that Jesus loved me so much. And every single day that I worked at that location, eight years, uh, he checked on me to say that he loved me and that Jesus loved me. And he just kept walking that journey with me. But it was hard. And the hardest things that I experienced, uh, I joke around about it now, but I called it the chain gang. Uh, I got to go out and pick up trash and wear a little orange outfit. I wore a straw hat. So people wouldn't recognize me like, really, they're going to know me in Tampa, Florida. I'm a little Elton, Virginia girl, but I wore a hat and uh, did that. The hardest part was the victim's impact panel. Uh, I had to sit and listen to people uh, tell their story of how people like me and not that I uh, hurt anyone drinking and driving, but I was behind the wheel and I should not have been drinking and driving, you know. So I had to listen to people that had lost loved ones, killed by someone that was drinking and driving. That was horrible to listen to those stories. I had three months of Saturdays to do that. I got to go to ASAP. And then I also got to pay about $20,000 in fines and be without a driver's license for 10 months. So it was quite the experience. But the beauty of that Mm -hmm. is that the following Sunday, when I went to church, I got to ride to church. And uh, I can still remember before Pastor Krudoff ever gave the altar call, if there was any way to see what God cleaned up that day, that altar would have been completely full. Cause I mean, I'm just a sobbing all over the place. You know, he's up there preaching and I'm just like crying and everything. And God's just washing it out of me because I mean, that day, the alcohol, the drugs, the cigarettes, I mean, everything stayed on that altar. Left to go home. I still had the same exact friends that I had the day that I went into the church and uh, those friends would want to smoke a joint. And I'd say no. And they would wonder if I was pregnant. Those friends uh, would want to do a line of cocaine, and I would say no, and they wondered if I had a pee test. Uh, those friends just couldn't get it and see you know you start out with all these churchy words that I got saved they didn't know what that meant so I had to begin to explain what Jesus was doing in my heart uh, what Jesus was doing in my mind and uh, it was the coolest thing because I'm still in touch with those friends 20 years later we still talk I've been home 20 years and I'm still highly invested into their lives now we still talk on the phone we still write letters when I'm able to go back to visit in Tampa i I still visit them. Uh, so uh, they know that I love Jesus. They know I live my life for him. I'm sold out for him. Uh, but on that May 23rd, 1993 is when I gave my life to Christ. And that was the best decision that
1: I could ever make, will ever be able to make, uh, was giving my life to Christ. Mm-hmm. Terry, um, it is inspiring to listen to your story. So tell us, when you got up from the altar that day, did things change in a hurry for you? Or yes. was it a... like? You say you left it all on the altar, right? God healed you in those moments um, from your addictions. I'm going to guess that that didn't mean that you had just a perfect walk from there. Definitely a journey. journey. uh, The journey was that I had to make... good choices,
0: choices to honor God, um, that when you feel like having a beer, don't go up to the store and buy it. When you're around the same friends that you've always had and they're wanting you to do something that you used to do and you've always enjoyed doing, that you have to say no and you have to make a choice. And uh, that choice was the journey that has become, um, the journey is a lifetime. You know, it's forever. But I do tell people that say you know, I'm a recovering alcoholic or I'm a recovering addict. For me personally, I don't like to say I'm recovering i think of the passage in the bible where the blind person was healed i mean he ran away saying i'm healed i'm healed he's not saying that you know i can't see he's saying i can see i'm healed god's healed me from it and uh, that's what god is using in my life i'm not proud of yes. any of those days when i started and i'm actually employed now here at wingfield ministries I've been here for 17 years. Uh, I'm the Director of Development and also the Administrative Manager. And I can remember uh, when I interviewed for the position, because I was actually in banking when I came home to the Valley, I started back in banking as a Financial Center Manager. And uh, Vicki Dove, which is the Administrative Manager for the Harrisburg Church of the Nazarene, had uh, worked at Wingfield Ministries and uh, she thought I should apply for this position that was being created. Didn't even know what it was going to be yet, didn't even know why she was thinking that it should be me but she said god just arrested her uh that i needed to apply you know in banking You can talk to your clients about Jesus. You write their mortgage loan and you tell them where you go to church and you invite them. And boy, I love doing that. And, you know, you get to meet their families and watch them have babies. And, you know, you talk about the best doctor in the world. Well, I was like the best banker in the world. My branches were in the top 10. Uh, I had two branches and um, it was just wonderful. I loved meeting the people, loved inviting them to church. And Vicki said, you know, apply at Wingfield Ministries. And I can remember telling Steve Wingfield when I interviewed, he wanted to know if there was anything from my past that could look bad on the ministry. You know, that's one of those prime questions when you're going into a ministry role. And I said, uh, well, Steve, let's say this, that if it's anything that you could say that I've ever done that's bad, let's just say I've done it and that way I haven't forgotten to tell you something and then we'll just keep it there. And know that I've been honest. So if you still want to talk to me to interview me, then we can go ahead. But that's just the way it needs to be said, is that I've done some awful things. I'm ashamed of them, but it covers it. So I started at Wingfield Ministries back in April 2003. It's been a wonderful time being here. It's passed quickly. It's living the adventure with Steve Wingfield. He's an evangelist, and uh, both of us are wired very much the same. He jokes around and will say that I'll actually evangelize a telephone pole. So within my time frame of being home, I was ordained in 2015, and it was quite the journey. As Pastor Margaret said, we had classes together every Thursday, a wonderful travel time for us to bond together as sisters in Christ, laugh together, go have lunch together. Talk about, I love the classes. They were so hard. Ministry students now, let me just say whoever's listening, they are so hard. They are so hard. But they are so good. And every part of those classes, you know, I wanted to do every single paper. Pastor Margaret can remember it. I wanted to answer every single question. And, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. it was like Mm -hmm. midnight that I was actually submitting a paper online to Pastor Tracy to get that in on time. But I had sat up and had to finish writing it. Or I would be writing a paper at two or three o'clock in the morning and then going to class, leaving to drive to Charlottesville at the uh, eight o'clock park and ride uh, at the foot of the Skyline Drive. would all ride over together. So they were hard years, eight years. God called me and then we have a very stringent Mm. process of credentialing. It's the education board that you meet with. You have to have a minimum of two classes each year and then you meet with the credentials team and it can be anywhere from five people to 25 people. And that first year, because I am someone uh, that has been married before and uh, I've had a divorce and you have to uh, speak and uh, ask for uh, that barrier to be lifted. So I had to go in front of 25 ministers and explain what happened so they could begin to learn who I was. So that was that very first meeting of talking with the people and uh, learning that they were there for me, learning Mm -hmm. that the process was about helping me to develop to be the woman that God was calling me to be. And uh, some folks will say it's really a scary process. I get that completely, but those ministers love the people that's sitting in front of them. And it was a great process. So I considered every minute of those classes, every minute of the study time, every minute of the writing of the papers as an offering to the Lord. It was an offering of me, and I didn't have a clue what God was calling me to. I just knew I needed to learn more about Jesus, needed to learn how to articulate my faith. What did the Church of the Nazarene mean? Our articles are statement of faith? How did I share that information? Because it was just all over me. You know, I just had to tell people about the Lord and how wonderful it was to have Jesus in my life. So I dated my husband for 10 years. Everybody doesn't have to date that long. But because of prior choices in my life that were really bad choices, I decided that I needed to really know that it was okay to get married again. And that it was okay to marry Thomas and that Thomas was the man that God was calling to be my husband. Because really, we are so different different. different, okay? Uh, He's pragmatic. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't have faith. Uh, Thomas loves Jesus Christ, and he loves me, and he is a wonderful support to me, and I am his sweetheart. But I needed to know, and he needed to know, because, I mean, I was like this radical. So, we met. He lived in Florida. I'm already back to Virginia, and that was the coolest thing we met when I was down there visiting, a mutual friend, and he wanted to pursue me in dating And I'll tell you, you know, dating for me was hands-off because of bad choices that I had made. And, you know, guys don't always understand that, but that's hands-off. And that's anywhere from the top of your shoulders down to the bottom of your fanny. You just don't get in that area, okay? And you really probably shouldn't be holding somebody's hands because that can lead to something else, too. So it was just hands-off. But yet he still wanted to pursue me. And uh, he came up to visit. I said, you know, if you stay at my apartment, I'm going to stay at my mother's because there's little girls that I'm ministering to in the apartment complex. I don't want them to get the bad eye idea of some man staying over and he was okay with that and I mean it just continued. Well he gets back to Florida. He told his secretary and Thomas was working for the FAA at the time. He retired after 32 years of being a federal aviation air traffic control manager of the field site and uh, just uh, loved his job but took early retirement so he could move to the valley and date me locally. But the coolest thing was that he told his secretary that he had met this girl in Virginia. She said, yeah. And uh, he said, uh, she goes to some Naz church. You ever heard those Nazes? And she started laughing. And he said, I knew it. It's some sect, isn't it? He said, those people, she's a radical. It was Jesus this. It was Jesus that. It was Jesus everything. And Linda started laughing. And she says, uh. Thomas, you know, my husband's a pastor. And he goes, yeah, I know, Linda. And so you don't talk about Jesus Christ in a FAA facility. It's government. You just don't talk about the Lord. Thomas says, so what? And she says, well, my husband is the senior pastor of the Fort Myers Church of the Nazarene. Why don't you start coming to church with us, and you can learn what Terry's talking about. So through that wonderful 10 years of Thomas pursuing me as a gentleman, he uh, began to know that it was in me, and it was all the time, and it was nonstop, because finally when we had the credentials board meeting, and it was time for me to go in front of our general superintendent, and you know, know that was coming to really be approved for ordination, you have to meet with the credentials board again, and this time you get to bring your spouse in, and you know Thomas is very full of humor, he likes to joke around. I'm serious. And, you know, I really didn't know what to expect. And I just said, you know, you need to tone it down. You know, this is not a place that you joke. You need to have a good, serious answer for anything they ask. And, you know, it wasn't about him knowing the articles or the statement of faith or anything like that. He really didn't even know what they were going to ask him. And uh, what he told them was that uh, they wanted to know, how did he know I was called to be a minister of the good news of Jesus Christ? And how was he going to be supportive? And he says, well, and by this time, we're married. Okay. So we We were living in the same house. He got to see what I do in the morning time when I wake up. How do I start my day? And that's with Jesus. It's often dark outside and the world is sleeping and I'm quiet before the throne of Christ, praying, writing in my prayer journal and reading my devotions. He had already observed that in my life. By this time, we had been married five years when I go for the credentials meeting. I just still remember it. His answer when they said, how do you know that she's called to be a pastor? a minister of the good news of Jesus Christ. Thomas said, it's in her blood when she wakes up. It's in her walk. It's in her talk. She doesn't go to sleep not having it in her. It's in her all the time. It just is nonstop. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. Okay, he knows that's me. But the very fact that he said it's in my blood, the credentials board loved it that day because really it is you know uh, Jesus Christ covered us with his blood his atonement for us and uh, what a beautiful way for him to say such a thing so we're here and it's now 2020 and some wonderful things have happened I have been a minister of the good news of being ordained in the church of the Nazarene first uh, church of God because that's who we're uh, ordained under but then the umbrella of that is the church of the Nazarene and that's where I actually do ministry I uh, didn't know where I was going to get plugged in. And as soon as I got my ordination uh, license, I went over to the Rockingham County Jail because I had tried to go in with my local license, with my district license, and was not allowed to go in. So uh, as soon as I had my license that said I was an ordained minister, I showed up there. And within a month's time, someone called a mother of a daughter that was there, and things just began to blossom. They would tell this one, and they would tell that one, and I began to have all these ladies that I was ministering to. And when I got to visit with them one-on-one, you know, it was just like I would. Take out this bee symbol and I said, You're a bee and they thought, you know, the first thing somebody's gonna think that's living in that world is that I was calling them a bee, you know what I'm saying? And I don't mean a nice bee. And uh I would say you're so beautiful. You're wonderfully made in God's image. He adores you. I had so many wonderful opportunities of talking with the women, telling them and talking and listening about being on the other side of the glass when they're not incarcerated anymore. What's going to happen? What kind of changes they're going to make? And really the change that makes a difference in one's life is they say, hey, I've done some stuff that's hurt Jesus Christ. I need to repent. And what in the world does repent mean? Because, you know, that's a churchy word Well, you got to stop doing what you're doing. You know, that's wrong. You need to turn in the opposite direction and turn to Jesus Christ and just don't go back. Don't do it for no one. It's never worth it. So I've led a lot of ladies to Christ over the last five years. I would say um not looking at exactly my numbers, because I have to turn in things for the district each year, but I would say over 200 ladies. I know a lot of them. I stay in touch with them. They've moved away. Interstate 81 is really good with capturing people as they drive into our beautiful state of Virginia. They do not all live here, but uh, if they get in trouble here, they have to go to jail here. So I have stayed in touch with them and great things are happening in, in their lives. So with all that said, I'm a life group leader. I've been a life group leader for the last eight years and I live in Elton, Virginia. And God has given us great favor with doing wonderful outreach events with the town of Elton, which is just awesome. I love the previous mayor. I love the mayor now. I love the folks that work at the community center. Uh, I've made friends with those people. I mean, friends, we call each other by first name. It's just wonderful. And we've had a cruise in in partnership with the community center. We're going on our third cruise in with them. We've had children's events inside of the community center at the same exact time. And the coolest thing is they know I'm a pastor. They know I love Jesus. They know I'm associated to the Church of the Nazarene. And when I first contacted them about doing an event, it was all about Jesus to me and how could we do a partnership together. And inside of the community center, little ones got to hear about Jesus. They got to dance and learn Bible verses and do crafts. We've had over 47 little children accept Jesus Christ inside of that community center while in partnership with The town of Elton with a cruising going on on the outside of that building. Now, that's a hallelujah praise report because we are living in a time that they're saying we need to take the Ten Commandments Mm -hmm. down. Well, we've been able to partner with a community government facility and uh, do ministry blessings to the community uh, that has made a difference for eternity. So, those things have happened. And then we've done a spaghetti dinner. We partnered with EAUS, which is Elton Area United Services, and they were so kind to share their list of names of people that they have uh, that they're currently serving they said that we wanted to do a spaghetti dinner so we uh, were able to feed 255 people that day and we gave out 198 love boxes which was 35 pounds of food and we preached I did uh, we had a band in that played a bluegrass music and we had 66 businesses in the town of Elton that gave gifts to give to those folks that day before they left to go home and the way they got their gifts was under underneath their chair. They had a prize number and that that was their number. So, you know, everybody didn't get a gift, but 66 people left that day with some really fabulous gifts. We've served with the town singing Christmas carols at their Lighting of the Christmas Tree. We've made cookie bags of 500 cookie bags a year, and they've allowed us to uh, do bookmarkers with uh, Christian scriptures and always an invitation to attend our Christmas Eve service. So just wonderful things have happened over the last several years with the town. So where we are now is just recently on March 9th, and Pastor Adrian and I have been praying about this thing since 2018, so it wasn't an overnight that just popped up. It was something that he was praying about, and I'd been praying about, and we hadn't even talked about it. And he said, uh, hey, let's meet. Let's talk about some things. And uh, when we started talking, it was amazing. It was that we had the same exact ideas, and we had never discussed anything. It wasn't about a church plant. It was about a launch of a campus, uh, and how would that look? You know, God has birthed an idea that we're moving forward on. It's been approved by our board. It's been discussed with pastors, at our church and then shared with our staff and even now on our vision sunday that we had on march the 9th that we have shared with our church in harrisonburg all of our services that we are going to have an east rock campus Woo-hoo! One church with multiple locations. Amen. So Amen. let me just say, okay, why are we doing this? Okay, because people might say, okay, the Hairsburg Church is just so awesome. And I agree, it is so awesome. And because it's been so awesome and because that church has been so faithful, God is enlarging our territory to go out and reach people who are lost, who are hopeless, and in need of redemption in the East Rockingham community. It's not going to be us and them, it's one church, it's the Church of the Nazarene. So, you know, God is calling us to go. We're praying for 100 people that will be committed to serving at this new campus, and not just 100 people that are showing up on a Sunday morning. I'm talking about we need 100 people, 100 people that can help out with the nursery, that can help out with middle school, that can help out with young adults, that can help out hospitality, ushers. You get it? Okay, I'm looking for 100 people. We're calling and praying and inspecting God to provide 100 people. And then, you know, we need people to give that's the other invitation that's going on we want people to give and let me tell you this okay we have a budget a startup budget of 180,000 for this new campus in east rockingham i told you that we had vision sunday on march the 8th okay 55 days later i don't have today's totals but 55 days later after we just had our first connection event via zoom because we're doing social distancing we have received $145,000 towards that startup budget. Now that's God's hand <laughs> all over East Rock campus. I will serve as the outreach pastor mm-hmm. at East Rock. Jarrett Link will be the minister of the campus. So we're serving shoulder to shoulder now. The other invitation, and this is the beautiful thing of how God is going to use both campuses, the Harrisonburg campus, the Elton campus, is that folks are going to take off and say, go to Elton to serve because God's calling them. They're going to be obedient. And when they leave, there's going to be openings in Harrisonburg. So it's either that God's going to be bringing new people in the door at Harrisonburg because we're obeying as a church, and God's going to bring the new people to grow our congregation in Harrisonburg, or either there's going to be people that God's going to be tapping on their shoulder and tugging at their heart, and their ears are going to be open, and he's going to say, I want you to rise up and serve. You've been sitting and drinking the milk Log it up. I want you to serve. And what a wonderful thing it is to serve in the body of Christ. So we will do this thing together. We're one church, multiple locations. And it is an awesome thing that I've been invited to be part of it. But who would have dreamed back in... Uh, 1987, when I took off from the valley to go to Tampa, Florida for fun in the sun, that so many amazing, wonderful things could happen in one's life. I'm an optimistic person. Uh, I believe in hope and hope has a name It's jesus christ and i believe that as an optimistic person and as christians not necessarily a pastor i would say every single christian should be one that is set apart in a peculiar way that we have the ability to influence people to encourage people to point them to jesus we have times now i know that the season that we're living in with this COVID, people are stressed There's anxiety, there's a lot of suffering, things are not normal. You try to go to a funeral service, what you do, you do Facebook Live to be able to be there the closest you can and folks have masks on and you can't hug the loved one. I mean, things are just different right now. But as believers, we have the best news. that can ever be shared with someone, and that is the love of Jesus Christ. So during this time, and not just this time, this is something forever and forever and forever.
1: We must be people of hope, and that means we need to praise Jesus Christ. You know, Terry, it has been amazing to listen And learn about your journey that as you look back, you can see where God had put folks not only in your life, but in yours and Thomas's life, divinely orchestrated people in their life to help lead you all to Christ in a deeper way. And it just is so amazing to listen to your story of how you went away, you made some connections, you had some hard times, you struggled through your brokenness giving that to God he healed you miraculously at the altar that day and now you will be standing at the door of a church in your hometown and every person that you see walk in those doors you will know that God can do for them exactly what he did for you and that is beautiful and I'm so grateful that you have answered the call to follow Jesus Christ and to be his witness to all that you meet. I pray blessings on this journey as you and Thomas continue and on these new endeavors in your hometown.
2: Pastor Terry Thomas said it perfectly about The calling of Christ and loving others and wanting to lead them to Him is in your blood. It's all over your face. It's in your voice. People can tell, I think, from hearing you talk that you love Jesus. So thank you for joining us today, and thank you for sharing. I pray that Pastor Terry Wyatt Vargo's testimony has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Front Porch Talks is sponsored by Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene in partnership with Sunshine Ministries.
0: Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Front Porch Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates and the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg-Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.